Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to his word proclaimed. Oh God, we come to you to hear your word. To let all of the distractions of the world just go away from us. So that we may focus on what you have for us. So Lord, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You know, I feel kind of bad. The reason why I feel kind of bad is that I feel like I'm shortchanging you all with this uh, Sermon on the Mount series. Because I know as well as you do, we can't really cover the entire Sermon on the Mount in four sermons. You know, this could be like a sermon series that you can do for like an entire quarter with all of the the rich gold that is in these three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I also feel extremely bad because when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, that deserves like at least a seven or eight-part sermon series within its own. So starting today, no, no. But we're going to try to do our best this morning just to hopefully give you a glimpse of the Lord's Prayer that maybe you haven't quite thought about before. So one of the things that I do know, and and I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, is that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, some of us have had this memorized since we were in preschool or even before that, I had a friend on Facebook uh, post her three-year-old daughter saying the Lord's Prayer. And it was so cute. But because we memorize this prayer early on in our lives, and then we get to worship, and we do the, the congregational prayer where we, we share our concerns and everything, and then I pray, and then we close with the Lord's Prayer, it can become kind of rote. Or it could be that, that little thing in your mind that says, okay, well, pastor's doing the Lord's Prayer, so it's time for me to turn my brain on since we've been, just been doing this prayer thing, and I can just say it, and we can move on with worship. And my hope and prayer is that when we say these words, they become something special to us. I remember a time when I was... I believe I was in eighth grade. Uh, My dad was sick with uh, spinal meningitis. And we were home. uh, My dad was in the hospital, and we got a phone call that my dad's heart stopped. So we quickly hopped into the car, and we, we drove really fast to the hospital. And as I sat in the back seat of the car, I had no words. I I didn't know what to say, but the one thing that I knew was the Lord's Prayer. So as we drove to the hospital, I know that in the back seat of the car, I kept saying that over 
and over again because it was giving me a sense of comfort. It was giving me a sense that even though I knew that it was a grave situation, that God was with me. And God's comfort and peace was there as we were making our way to the hospital. And, and, and fortunate dad survived that incident. We got to spend a little bit more time with him. But it always reminded me how special this prayer is. And I hope after today you will see how this prayer can be a little more special for you as well. So what I, we're going to do something a little different uh, this morning. Instead of me reading the entire scripture, I asked Richard to help me out. Richard's going to read uh, the scripture for us this morning. This is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. As he reads, I will uh, let him go, and then I'll say stop, and then we'll, we'll go a little bit with uh, a little teaching on that part of the scripture, and then we'll continue through the passage. Now, I've also chose a different translation than you may be used to. And the reason why I did that is because I wanted you to hear the words in a different way. That way, it's not the same prayer that we're used to praying. So, Richard, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and starting. Pray like this. Stop. See, I told you, we could do like a whole seven or eight sermon series on this because there's so much gold in this passage. Have you ever wondered why, when Jesus told his disciples to pray, why did he tell them to start with our Father? Why did he use that first word, our? So sometimes whenever I lead a congregational prayer, I'll say, Holy God, or Dear God, or Heavenly Father, or whatever. But I think Jesus is making a particular point by saying, Our Father. And the reason why that I think this is important is because if you look at the Lord's Prayer, it is a prayer that connects all of us. Every single one of us in this room, and it goes even beyond that. It goes to all of the other congregations in the world that praise the Lord's Prayer. And it goes farther than that. It goes to all of the congregations and people in the past who have prayed this prayer. And it's a prayer that people will continue to pray on into the future. See, the the Lord's Prayer isn't a prayer for just one individual to pray. The Lord's Prayer is what's called a communal prayer. I mean, it's to be prayed by the entire community. And why is that important? Well, first of all, I think it's important because it works against disunity. I don't know about you, but for me... If I spend time praying for somebody that I may have a problem with, I find out that I really don't have a problem with that person. When I take time to pray for somebody that I may have a disagreement with, I learn that I can start hearing things differently. I can learn that I can start seeing things in a different point of view. 
See, for Jesus, starting with our Father, he is calling for a prayer of unity. He shares this later in John chapter 17, verse 21, where he's talking to the disciples and he says, I pray that they will be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they also will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. So when we pray the words, our Father, we are praying, God, connect us together. Connect us as the body of Christ. Not only connect us as the body of Christ, but connect us with you. Connect us so that we all may be one. Another part of communal prayer that is important, that it reminds us to be humble in our prayer. It's hard to be prideful if you're praying with a group of people. You know, I've been in situations where somebody has shared a prideful prayer about what God has done in their lives, and it sounds so shallow. But what the Lord's Prayer is doing, it is allowing us to humbly come before our Creator. And it lifts us up so that we can be in relationship with our God and relationship with others. Second Chronicles 7.11 reminds us that if my people who belong to me will humbly pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Jesus taught about what it meant to be prideful. This, one, of the, one of his parables, he talked about a man who had all of these fields around him, and he was set for life. Matter of fact, he had more stuff than he knew what to do with. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? Since I have all of this stuff, I'm not going to give it away. I'm just going to build bigger barns. I'm going to make more stuff for me so that whenever I need it, I can just use it whenever I want. You know, eat, drink, and be merry, all of those great things that I can do for myself. Well, Jesus goes on in that parable saying that later his life was called upon and he passed away and all of this stuff went to waste. See, when we hoard our prayers for ourselves, when, when we look at God and we say, my, 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 instead of our Father, we lose all sense of our humility. And then we allow ourselves to become greater than those around us. Okay, Richard, go ahead and continue. I promise I won't stop you as quick as I did before. Pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Stop right there. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it is done in heaven. Did you know that there has been at least 
242 dates for the end of the world since the calendar moved from B.C. to A.D. At least 242 times there have been a person or a group of people who have said that the end of the world is going to happen on this day. And at least 242 times, guess what? They were wrong. You know, if you look at a calendar, I found this on a website that said that anyone wanting to chart, for example, 100 B.C. to 2000 A.D., would have had to contend with the fact that 46 B.C. was 445 days long, there was no year zero B.C., and in 1582, we switched from the Julian calendar, which had 360 days a year, to the Gregorian calendar, that had 365 days in a year. See, people don't take that into account when they say, well, this is the exact day that it's going to happen. I remember hearing stories, uh, you know, I was still in high school, but back in 1988, there was a book that was called 88 Reasons Why the World's Going to End in 1988. <laughs> and then here about a couple of years ago, there was a big scare because the Mayan calendar was going to run out of dates. And because the Mayan calendar was going to run out of dates, then I guess we were all doomed. But guess what, folks? We're still here. See, Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 24, 36, no one knows when that day or hour will come, nor the heavenly angels and not the Son, only the Father knows. Now, I, I believe that when we die, we go to heaven and we get to spend all of eternity with our Lord and Savior. But that's not what I live for. I, 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 don't, I don't live for sitting back and waiting for that time where God calls me home. I live for what Dallas Willard says, that the gospel is less about getting into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. See, Jesus' prayer, when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done, he's not talking about a mass exodus up to heaven. He continues and he talks about how that must be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our task as followers of Christ is to bring God's kingdom here and now. Now, we know that we're not going to get there all the way. We won't get there until we get to heaven, but our task is to bring God's kingdom to where we are. I tell you, I saw God's kingdom on Wednesday night. Whenever I was playing around in Wesley Hall as we were talking with the kids and sitting down and eating supper with them for, for jam, as we stood around in a circle and we held hands and I taught them the Johnny Appleseed prayer. And as we did that together, that was so much fun. I'm looking forward to being a part of the kingdom of heaven this Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock and then again at 7 when I'm with my disciple class and we're looking at God's word and we're seeing how we can apply that to our lives so that we can make our church, our community, 
and our world a better place because God has placed us here. It, it just saddens me when I hear people put all of their eggs and that I'm going to heaven basket. I know that. But there are people here on earth that we need to share this message with so that they can experience God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Hey, Richard, let's finish this up. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you. Just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. They just had to go and throw that whole forgiveness thing in here, didn't he? I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't want to forgive people. I'd much rather to stay mad and just let them do their own thing. But you hear that very last part of this part of the passage. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your father forgive your sins. That's harsh, isn't it? That's harsh to think that if we hold on to our, our anger, if we hold on to those things that, that have hurt us or that have wounded us, then we fail to allow God to work in our lives. One of my favorite youth ministry uh, example that I have of this is like if you had a snorkel and you were out snorkeling in a body of water. But your snorkel was, like, plugged. So you couldn't receive or take out. You know, you could blow as much as you can, but it's not going to go anywhere. And you, can't, you definitely cannot receive anything that comes from the, the outside atmosphere to help you breathe as you're underwater. See, that's what forgiveness is all about. Sometimes we just, we just hold in. And we let it fester inside of us to where there's only one thing that we can do, and that's explode. And I've exploded in front of my family before, and they can tell you, it hasn't been pretty. And maybe you've exploded in front of your family too, and it hasn't been pretty. But see, I think one of the things that we have to understand about forgiveness is that it's about communication. It's about keeping the lines of communication open so that we can hear and understand what other people are trying to say. I saw this on Facebook a few days ago. It says that the biggest communication problem that we have is that we don't listen to understand, we listen to reply. We don't, we don't listen to try to understand each other. We just listen so that we can quickly say something in response. If you look at news sources, if you look at the election, if you look at any type of squabble that's out there, that's what's going on. 
we are trying so hard to respond that we fail to take time to understand what the issues are about. I think the first thing we have to do in order to really practice forgiveness is to let go of anger. I have never seen so many angry people than I have over the past few months. And I'm afraid that it's just going to get worse because we're just going to hold on to our own personal views and we're not going to take time to understand each other. That means that we, we can't be stubborn. How many people are stubborn? I don't, my hand's up because I know that I'm probably one of the most stubborn persons around. Trace and I, we were driving down the street, and I had a semi-truck cut right in front of me on my way. We were going somewhere, and boy, was I stubborn. And Tracy had to kind of put, my, put her hand on my knee. That way I wouldn't try to go around the semi-truck. See, when we act out in these ways, it starts to fester inside of us. We have to examine our hearts and understand who and whose we are, that we are one in whom Christ dwells, and that we live in God's unshakable kingdom. And when we gather all of this together, and when we we take time to look at this timeless prayer, it can help us grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Oh God, you have given us this prayer. And at times when we rush through it, or as time when we just say it by rote because it's time to say this prayer, we ask that you forgive us. Help us to take the time we need to hear your words through this prayer. Help us to live in community with one another so that we can help each other out, so that we can help each other grow as your children. Help us to see that our task is to bring your kingdom here among us and not just wait for that day where we come to your glory. Help us to see how we can make this world better because you have made us better through your love. And Lord, help us to forgive. Help us to seek how we can truly share forgiveness with others so that we can listen, so that we can build, so that we can be a part of your work around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.